Oh, great to be with you here this morning into this new series called The Increased Life. And over these last couple of weeks, we've had uh, If You Learn, If You Are Humble, and this morning we've got If We Try, If We Try. And uh, basically, if we want to live an increased life for Jesus, we have to try some stuff. And uh, we're looking at the book of Daniel as a part to use that to uh, describe and and illustrate uh, if we try. You know, in life, we just have to have a go. We just have to try stuff. You know, we have to be a little bit free on sometimes failing even when we try. And uh, uh, But here's the thought. If it's important enough, it's until it happens. And in life, so often we can give up so easily, so quickly, get discouraged so quickly and give up on, on our hopes and our dreams and the things that God's put within us. And here this morning, I just want to encourage you to try some stuff for your life. You know, that was Thomas Edison's philosophy, particularly when he was inventing the light globe. He worked out a thousand ways that it didn't work until one day he found one way that did work. And, uh, you know, and, and so it took a thousand times to fail before he found the one that was successful. And I think that's sometimes our life, we get uncomfortable with failing. And, and the truth is we need to try some stuff. You know, and to live an increased life, we have to try. We must try. And, um, you know, we always have this false belief that somehow our life has to always be up and to the right, that our, our life has to look like that, when in truth, it's maybe one step forward and one step back, two steps forward, one step back, one step back, two steps forward again. That's the ups and downs of life. And, and so often we get discouraged in the down parts when in fact, it's just part of the journey. And it may not look up and to the right, but I'm telling you, God is in the increase if you try, if you give it a go. You'll learn something in the process. You'll be humbled in that process. But we have to try. We have to give it a go. Um, Here's the thing. If you're not failing in something in your life, you're probably not trying hard enough. And uh, I've had to learn that the hard time. Many times in my life I thought, I'm just not good enough at this. I'm not worthy enough. I, I, I shouldn't be doing this. And, and the failing actually makes us stronger and actually makes us better, I guess. And that's where the increase comes. But here's the, the bottom line, I guess. The only time we really fail is if we give up. The only time we really fail is if we give up. Don't give up. Try again, try again, try again. You know, I, I hope the philosophy of our church is the sort of church that encourages you to try some stuff and you will fail and it's okay to fail. You know, here this morning, I just want to encourage you that it's okay to fail. But the only time you fail is if you don't get up and try again. You've got to try again. You've got to give it another go. And, uh, you know, we have to give ourselves permission and we have to give others permission to fail in the process of life. And they're not a failure They've just failed in that particular thing and we've got to get up and try it again. You know, in this series, um, we're looking at if we try, we'll live increased lives. And and James 2 has got a great example. This relates to faith. I just want to read it before I get into the Daniel part. What is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed. 
but does do nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. The same way for you and for me, we may have desires in life, but unless we try, unless we risk a bit of stuff, it's never going to happen. You know, Daniel lived his life very intentionally, even in a world around him that's very hostile and very uh, uncomfortable. The culture was completely different to what he was used to. And most of the circumstances in his life were out of his control. He didn't whinge, he didn't whine, he didn't complain, he didn't give up. You know, in the midst of his circumstance, he had this inner confidence that God was with him, that he knew his God and God would work it out for good somehow in the process of his life. And this morning we're going to read about Daniel and another crisis he faced. And it was when King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And it was probably more like a nightmare if you you read the the dream. Uh, The king called all these magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers and the astrologers in to tell him about the dream. And and he actually challenged them with, well, I want to know what I dreamed and then tell me what it means. And that's where we'll pick the story up here this morning in Daniel 2, verses 4 to 5. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we'll interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret, I'll have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. <laughs> now, I'm not sure about you, but the king realised that the this dream had significance and he didn't want to be tricked or, or he, what, he, what, he, what people told him what he thought he wanted to hear. He didn't want any of that. Um, here's what the astrologers answers anyway in verse 10. They answer the king, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. Now the king loses it big time right here. He's deeply troubled by this dream. He knows there's something significant about this. Um, But he also knows that these people that he normally trusts in couldn't help him at all. So in a rage, he decides to kill them. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar is a a crazy guy. Like, he is mean. He he reacts badly in lots of different circumstances. And, And so often in our lives, there are things that come at us. And it's a time that drives us to God in desperation. And I think this may be one of these situations. Daniel 2 verses 13 to 15. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Now, I've just got to pause there because Daniel hasn't been included in any of this process so far. He, he didn't know anything about it. Also recognise this is only a year later. The first year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign was when they were seized and captured and taken to Babylon. This is the second year, we're told in Daniel 2, of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. So they were 12 to 14, so now they say 13 to 15. So they're still only young boys, really, in their training period. They had no real privileges at all. But the king somehow saw them as 10 times better than all the magicians and the enchanters. We're told that in in Daniel 1. And they were included in this group of wise men, even though they weren't consulted in any part of this process (laughs) about the the king's dream. Read on in verse 4. Then Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon. Daniel spoke with him with wisdom and tact. For a young man, that's amazing. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh de- decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. 
Now, I don't know if you can get your head around that or, or understand what's going on here, but here's this young kid. He's a servant of the king. He's a slave. Basically, he's been, been raised up to be a servant in the king's you know, palace. And someone is coming to kill you. This is the, the army, basically, coming to kill you. And I don't know about how you'd react, but I don't think I'd react with wisdom and tact. You know, I'd probably be more like panic and hysteria and trying to blame someone else. It's not my fault. Why well, didn't do it? Well, well, how come I'm getting killed? And, uh, but Daniel knew he had to try something. And this is where, it, where the push-through comes. Um, he took a huge risk right here, really, if you look at it, because even asking the king's officer to explain what's going on, he could have just killed him right on the spot. Yeah, that's, that's the truth of it. But doing nothing had greater, far greater negative consequences because of that. Probably even more than we understand. The same is it's the same for our lives. Can I just pause there for a minute? Maybe you felt disappointed, disempowered. Um, things have felt out of control in your life, and our tendency is to want to pull back and not to get involved, not to ask questions, not to to well, it wasn't my fault. I had nothing to do with it. Blame other people. Try and do that. But Daniel stepped forward. He actually tried some stuff. He he. He, he actually decided, I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to find out what this is all about because I don't know what's going on right here. And it's a choice to try some stuff in our lives. It's a bit like this quote you may have heard. The only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. It is so true. Here's the, the thing. Daniel could have been killed on the spot as a teenager, slave, a servant. He had no rights. He was disposable as far as they're concerned. But he asked Arioch, with wisdom intact, what was going on. He got a favourable res response. But then he even tried even more. And remember, he's, this King Nebuchadnezzar is a crazy guy. But he took a greater risk. In Daniel 2.16, this Daniel went to the king, which is not heard of. You just don't do this. And asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Um, so he responded with wisdom intact. Then he actually asked even more questions. He actually went to the top of the tree and went, I'm going to risk it here and I'm going to ask the king, can I have some time? Because I, 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 I can do this, I think, in God. So he was fully committed to this right now. He had no choice. This is life and death stuff. And what do you do when you're out, way over your head, when, when the circumstances seem to be piling up against you, when lots of things seem like they're at risk, your life, for instance, for Daniel? Well, Daniel uh, 2, verses 17 to 18 continue the story. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven and concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might, be, might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. See, I love that attitude. He just had to go. Um, at least we've got to try to do something. You know, he just didn't withdraw and go, oh, well, I'm going to die and I'll, you know, he, he, he didn't know the answer, but we've got to try something. We do know our God. We do trust our God. And so we pray. And so we pray. And I'd imagine it would have been quite a desperate prayer that particular night. And, and a great truth for our lives is we need people at times of stress and trouble that can pray with us and for us. Um, we need those relationships strong before 
the, the press comes, before the stress comes, before the trouble comes, so that we know we can rely on those people around us to lift us up in prayer, to seek God's uh, answers to our prayers, to, to, to show a way through, to, to, to reassure us that God does work all things for the good of those who love him, love him and called according to his purpose. And, and we need trustworthy friends that will stand with us and intercede and, and plead God's mercy with us and for us. And Daniel 2.19, during the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And I imagine that would have been a great relief for him. You know, here this morning, just to, to finish off, I've just got a few points I want to uh, show you that I've considered out of this story. It's a great story. But it's really about why God honoured Daniel. Why did he honour him stepping out in this? It seemed a huge risk in some ways, otherwise it wasn't. And he also answered his prayer because of that. Daniel had already decided to put God first in his life. Put God first in his life. And he went to God in prayer, in desperate prayer, with that foundation of putting God first. And, and that's a place of security in our prayer life. Je, you know, Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. The second thought was Daniel was intentional in his obedience to the Lord. He was really intentional in that. You see, he refused to compromise in the Babylonian culture. Even as a slave, even as a young boy, he seemed completely disempowered by the circumstances around him. And, and we know there's a time when we read about when Jesus was talking with a man with a withered hand. And, and Jesus said to this man, hey, stretch out your hand. And this man had to make a decision whether he stretched out his good hand or his withered hand. And whether to trust in Jesus because he didn't actually know Jesus at all. And he could have easily been embarrassed to, to hand, put out his withered hand. Go, I'm not going to put that on display. I've been ridiculed for that. You know, people call me all sorts of names because of that, that hand. I, I'm not going to do it. You know, maybe I've had to, to um, beg all my life for food and for, for money because I haven't been able to work. And, and so I'm not going to put out my withered hand. And, and that could have been the thought he had. But he had to make a decision right then to trust in God, in Jesus, in obedience to the Lord and go, Here's my little withered hand, and we're told in a minute it was healed. Just like that, Daniel was obedient to God. Next thought, Daniel took risk for his life and for the future, and he put it in God, trusting in God, in God's hand. Daniel knew ultimately that God was in control, and he could trust in him. You know, And because of that security, he lived a life that increased even when there was tough circumstances in where he was. He was, if you put yourself in this picture, he's a slave, a young kid, you know, and he's in a horrible place. King Nebuchadnezzar was a crazy guy. They just killed people if they felt like it, you know, and, and there would have been a lot of fear around that. But he trusted in God. And there's another wonderful story in the Gospels about a woman with a bleeding disease that made a choice to try something for her life, to risk everything. And, and we're told... 
that she had this bleeding disorder for 12 years. She'd spent all her money trying to get healed at doctors and all sorts of different places. And now she was expelled outside the city limits. She was treated badly. You know, she, she was separated, ostracised. And, and because that's the way the Jewish, the Hebrew culture dealt with that. And because she was called unclean. She wasn't allowed to be around the, the religious leaders. And, and so she'd been banished to the outside of the, the town. Now, she actually could have been killed for coming into the city, but she decided that she was going to risk it all to pursue Jesus. And, uh, you know, Jesus was on his way somewhere else, you know, to Jairus' daughter, and that was Jairus was one of the synagogue leaders, the rulers. And so if this woman had been close to him, he would have been declared unclean because of her, and she could have easily been killed because of that. There's crowds all around Jesus, everywhere. And this woman came up behind Jesus and stretched out her hand and touched the hem of his garment. And, and it's, it's astonishing because Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Now there was people all around him. The, the, the disciples all said, Jesus, there's people everywhere. You, what's going on? You know? And he said, no, no, someone touched me. And, and finally this woman uh, owns up to it and, and, and listen to Jesus' words. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Beautiful, encouraging words of Jesus as he healed her. Now she was healed instantaneously and Jesus just reinforces that. Now I don't know if you're catching this, but this woman wouldn't have been healed, most likely, unless she tried something. She risked a lot, a lot. She risked her life. She trusted in faith to follow Jesus in this situation, to just touch the hem of his garment, and it would heal her. Oswald Chambers, there's a great quote. It says this, God doesn't give us an overcoming life. He gives us life as we overcome. I'm going to say it again because there's a lot in that. God doesn't give us an overcoming life, which we all pray for, he gives us life as we overcome. Daniel risked it all in faith. Forethought here. Daniel knew his God well. He knew his God well. You know, here this morning you may know a little about God or a lot about God. You may know a few scriptures or a lot of scriptures. And that's all great, but the real question is whether you know all that other stuff about God or Jesus but do you really know Jesus? Do you really, are you really known by Jesus? And does, do you really know him really well? Daniel knew his God really well. He was loving him and he's serving him in every way he could. And uh, yeah, he, he, he didn't seek the approval of the Babylonian culture. He stood up for what he believed in, his ways. And uh, knowing God meant more to him than choosing the easy option. So often in our lives, it's so easy to choose the easy option, just go with the flow of the culture or people around us. But Daniel didn't do that. He didn't. He put God first in his life, and that means more than just having a fish sticker on our car and saying we're a Christian by label. It doesn't mean that. It means we know our God, just like Daniel knew his God. He had this confidence that his God was not left behind in the temple at Jerusalem, when they were taken captive, but he was actually with him right where he was, right in the midst of the tough circumstances. You see, remember this, the, the enemy wants to distract you, he wants to confuse you, 
He wants to challenge you on your thinking and, 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 and confuse your, your thinking in that process, who you trust in, what you trust in, and, and in difficult circumstances, in whom what you trust. We have to be intentional about the way we live our lives, to, to try some stuff so we can live an increased life on fire for God. Daniel knew he's God. And if you have a read through their scriptures there, Daniel 2 verses 20 to 23 and then uh, continued Daniel 2 verses 31 to 45. Daniel interprets the king's dream. He tells the, the king the kingdoms will come and go, but there's a kingdom coming that God will set up and it will never end. And the tendency for most of us Christians is to try and use God to solve our problems. But God wants to use our problems for you to find uh, uh, what and when to know how to know him better, sorry just to know him better, to know him more fully. Otherwise, we tend to worship God for what he can do for us rather than worship him for who he is. As Daniel interprets the dream, he gives God all the glory. He has this confidence in God no matter what the outcome. In Daniel 2 verses 45, he says this, The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. And then, then have a look what happens. Because um, he doesn't really know what's going to happen. He can still be killed right up to this point. He's not sure how the king is going to respond. So Daniel 2 verses 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honour and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods, Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. See, when we live for God, when we try, when we, we will live an increased life. And there's great protection in this place, there's great provision, there's great blessing, there's great favour. And, and, and that comes as a consequence of our knowing our God. Daniel 2 verses 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed in him charge of all the wise men. Placed in him charge of all the wise men. Moreover, as Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego administrations over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. We, like Daniel, will live an increased life if we try by putting God first in our life, by being obedient, by taking a risk in him, by knowing our God. You know, I've got a story to finish got a story to finish here this morning and uh, it's a great story because I think it represents well what we've been talking about with Daniel. It's a, an author and her name's um, Debbie McComa and she's a number one New York Times bestseller selling author and she's, she's actually got more than 200 million copies of her books in print worldwide. Now her whole desire was to bring a sense of hope and love in this process when she started her writing. And, uh, but that wasn't how she started, you know. She was dyslexic, so she couldn't read well. She didn't, she didn't finish high school education. Um, she had a dream to become a writer, but she didn't know any writers and she didn't know how to do it. And she was married with four kids. I know what that's like. She loved God, but after the death of, of a family member, she decided to follow her dreams. So she rented a typewriter. <laughs> She put it on a kitchen table and she began typing each morning before the kids went to school. When the kids came home, she moved the typewriter and made them dinner. When they went to bed, she moved it back and typed some more. For two years, Debbie followed this routine, 
One night, however, her husband said to her, look, honey, I'm sorry, we can't do this anymore. We can't survive on just what I make. You need to go back to work. That night her heart was broken and her mind too busy to let her sleep. So she laid, laying in bed with her eyes just looking up the ceiling. You know, she was thinking about it. How can I do this? Work 40 hours a week, look after the kids, run the kids around, church, scouts, all the things that she, you know, she was a Christian. And, and how, I'm not going to have time to write. And her husband woke up and seeing her in despair said, well, what's wrong? He said, I really think I could have made it as a writer if I really do. And uh, her husband Wayne was silent for a little bit. He sat up and turned the light on and said, hey, right, sweet up, let's do this. You go for it. And he got a second job and they just made it work. So Debbie returned to the dream and a typewriter on the kitchen table, pounding out page after page for another two years. So this is four years now. Her family were without holidays, vacations. You know, they, they were tough on money. Uh, they wore hand-me-down, second-hand clothes. But the sacrifice and the persistence finally paid off. And after five years of struggling, Debbie sold her first book. Now, this is only after many rejections. I mean, being told to throw away that first manuscript and, and by another publisher to scrap it, get rid of it. But someone finally published that one book. And then the second book got published. Until today, she's published hundreds of books. You know, um, many of them become New York Times bestsellers, and three of them have actually been made into movies. Now, she's also doing much more now. She's mentoring um, uh, young people, she's supporting battered uh, women's shelters, and uh, involved in literacy and medical research, and all sorts of different areas that she's actually opened up to try and help people, you know, to bring a sense of hope and love into people's lives. And, and the truth is, that only happened because she was prepared to try something, something different in her life to what the norm was. Only because she tried, she lived an increased life. God had given her a natural ability and talents, but her circumstances weren't really making it easy to use those talents. And the same is true for her, as is true for Daniel, as is true for the man with a withered hand, as with the woman with the bleeding disease, as is for us. You see, if we try, if we give it a go, we will live an increased life in Jesus because we'll have to rely on him. Here this morning, I just want to pray to finish and uh, maybe invite you to ask Jesus into your heart. Father, we thank you, God, for your amazing grace for our lives. God, we thank you that we can live a life that is beyond our own natural talents even sometimes. God, as we trust in you, as we have our faith in you, as we risk stuff in you, God, as, as we have, are obedient to your word, as we, 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 we understand that you have much more for each and every one of us, God. And Lord, we thank you that, that's, that you give us everything we, we, we request of you, God, not in the way that we always want it, but God, in the way that does us good. And so, God, I pray that we are courageous people, God, that we are a bold people, God, that we stretch out our hand in tough circumstances just to get a touch of the hem of your garment, Lord because it'll heal us in a second. It'll make all the difference. There's transformation in that place. And here this morning, God, just as I finish off my prayer, I want to pray for those people that don't know you, God. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or maybe you have at some time and life has overwhelmed the circumstances of life have overwhelmed you. 
and you've got lost in the process. Here's an opportunity to get right with Jesus. And all it is the decision to ask Jesus into your heart to declare him as Lord and Saviour over your life. And there's an opportunity on the screen just to press a button on that screen that just acknowledges that to us, that you've made that decision here this morning. If that's you, it's the best decision you'll ever make in your whole life. I encourage you to do that. God, we thank you so much for your grace, for your love, for your mercy. God, I pray that something here has been stirred in people and that we are people that will try more in our lives for you, God. We give you all the honour and glory in this place and we pray that all in Jesus' precious name. Well, it's great to be with you this morning and uh, have a great week. We'll see you next week. We'll continue this series and uh, we'll see you then. Bye for now.